Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, nans and grandads, cats and dogs, Chaz and Dave. Welcome to Tales from a Nobody, episode three, and I am a nobody. This week, cheese boards. Keyboards in crane songs, lots of keyboards, lots of samples, lots of things. Let's talk to this dinosaur. This dinosaur was thrown on stage whilst I was playing keyboards in one of the first shows that I did for cranes. And I picked him up and he lived in the keyboard case on every single show that I've done and he sat on the keyboards and looks out over everyone and I've still got him so don't know who threw him but thanks I've still got him keyboards or equipment in general a couple of things I missed off of last episode as I always do equipment wise Mr Mark Frankham for his guitars for virtually his whole reign in the cranes he used for his guitar a Roland GP16 and he had a 200 watt power amp and two PVPA speakers that's what he used the whole time Mark still has this setup it still works uh, he hasn't got the power amp or the PV speakers he's got the GP16 still with all the cranes patches still in it working totally working brilliant fantastic if you track mark down online it's quite easy to track mark down maybe he'll put some of those patches up i don't know i don't want to speak for mark but he has still got that stuff so um yeah hit him up i'm sure if he has time he's a very very busy man he uh, might put something together so uh, Matt used a Roland, a Boss ME5 that he actually got from Mark, but none of us can remember what he powered it with on stage. Can't remember. Can't remember if he went straight through the desk or, or what, what happened. Don't know. Anyway, keyboards, uh, tour stories. Thanks, Laura, for um, reminding me of mashed potato tour story here's a tour story this is this is a good one population four tour so Manu was drumming it was a f towards the end of the tour and it was in France I can't quite remember where although I can picture the incident quite well so it's after the show so after the show, we're in the sort of dressing room, hospitality area. It's quite quite a big area, and um, there's the normal stuff. There's food, there's pizza, and things like that. And there's a microwave oven. You go and heat your pizza up or whatever it is you want, and you, you're chatting to people. So what do you do when you chat to people? You you chat to people when you say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll do that." Get your food and put it in, and hey, take it away, and whatever. You don't pay much attention to anything. Anyway. Jim was in front of me and Jim was rabbiting on to someone. Pops his pizza in the microwave, puts it on for a minute or so, however long. He's chatting, 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 waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. 
takes his piece, off he goes. I come along and I go to put my pizza into the microwave oven and then I stop and then I go and find Jim and say, Jim, how much of that pizza have you eaten? And he had eaten about two bites of it, so I'd spit it out. Why spit it out? Because when I opened the microwave oven door, there was an exploded rat inside the microwave. So I didn't put my... But Jim wasn't looking. So who looks when they put stuff in, if you're chatting? Who looks? He exploded a rat. So luckily Jim had two bites of his pizza and he was okay. And we, we gave the promoter hell. Me and Simon, the tour manager, we, we both said we were going to sue him. And Simon was saying, you, you should... You should kiss my boots to be sorry. It, 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 it was quite funny. Jim was okay. Uh, it, that's a funny story. Uh, not if you're Jim, because you just ate bits of a rat, I suppose. <laughs> Is it any different from eating some fast food chains? I don't know. Anyway, keyboards. Main keyboards in use in cranes, the Roland W30 workstation it was the first workstation that you could sample into it had a built-in sequencer all this stuff it was pretty primitive compared with today's standards so you had 14 seconds total sample time in mono 14 seconds so you you know you get little tiny guitar pedals now that you loop that, that will have three minutes of sample time in it was 30 kilohertz, I think, sample rate, and it was 12-bit. The samples were 12-bit, and they replayed it at 16-bit. So it was really, really old school. It was such a fantastic workstation. Had eight outputs on the back. Jim used it for, if anyone's got Arrested, the Electra album, all the orchestral stuff on there the majority of the orchestral staff, W30 sounds. You had to load the discs in, so you, you'd load in... For, for Crane's shows, if it was piano, you'd load the piano disc. There was no hard drive, all floppy discs. I've got all the floppy discs up there still, but they're sort of buried, and it would... I should have... You know what a floppy disc looks. Well, if you're over 40, you'll know what a floppy disc looks like and if you're under 40 then I don't care I don't care people under 40 why, why would people under 40 watch this old man prattling on anyway so W30 piano sounds sample sounds a lot of the bass sounds you hear on example everywhere they were Roland R5 drum machine bass sounds so Jim really liked the bass sound off the Roland R5 drum machine so you'll hear that a lot on songs I think you'll hear that on Adrift as well I think that is I'm not sure going back further stuff like Heaven or Bliss I think was Tim Daniels the legendary Tim Daniels Simmons kit don't 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 don't, don't trigger in off of that. I'm sure I'm sure it was. I'll have to double check. Maybe I should have checked before I started doing this podcast. That's an idea to try and think of things before I start rabbiting on. But I'm a, I'm a gabbler, me. I just go off in 
different directions. So W30 was the mainstay for a long time. Many a times I had a W30 in pieces in dressing rooms because the keys would get sticky or they wouldn't work and I'd be cleaning them. So I got to know that keyboard very, very well. I owned one. Jim owned one. Jim's got my one at the moment because we, we try and his one died. This the disk drives that go in them and they're old now and they're difficult to get. Uh, but we try and keep them going because over the years you, you transfer the sounds and they never quite translate properly the i mean the original w30 string sounds and piano sounds they're just not quite the same when you convert them over to a different format but it was the w30 who did a lot of work i used to write my set list and what disc to load and then when the song finished what the next song that that keyboard would be playing so i could stick the disc in and load it because it took 45 seconds to a minute to load the, the disc in and it would churn away and it, you you know you, sometimes you couldn't put two songs together because you, it would there would be a w30 disc load and it must be completely foreign to any sort of young musicians these days having to wait it have to wait that long for one sound to load or only have one sound going at once and then you have to do something to make another sound <clears throat> come in yeah tricky after the w the w30s used to get a load of stick on the road they used to get damaged um by airlines mostly they were always fully flight cased they were always looked after but they they would just get damaged so at one point my one that i took it got so trashed that we got compensation from the airline. It took a little while because they like to dig their feet in and not pay out. But it was quite a good one because we were, we were all sitting on the plane um, and I was looking out of the window and I could see them unloading the luggage. And on all of our stuff, it's all properly flight cased up. It's all really, really good stuff and always got all fragile written on and handled with care. And the guy, it, to, to be fair, although why should I be fair, the guys unloading the plane were doing it to all the, the luggage. There's quite a drop on there and there's a truck and the guy was just throwing, literally throwing the stuff up in the air and it was going, <laughs> everyone's luggage, everyone, you know, everyone, it was happening to everyone. And I saw our stuff come out, Jim's, equipment and, and stuff oh smash onto this thing oh, and I saw the keyboard oh, so, but I filmed it on my phone I filmed them doing it um, and the airline didn't want anything to. no no that's not happening and I showed them and I, and I literally said you can either pay the compensation out for the damage of this or I can put this film up as evidence on something like mm, I don't know somewhere where not many people go YouTube maybe something like that and oddly enough, they paid out all the money for the W30, which was cool. So with the money from the W30, I managed to track down two Akai S5000s samplers. And I then transferred, or, and I, I got two, and Jim had one and I had one. And I put a hard drive in mine and a backup in mine. 
so that we could now load everything would be loaded all the time it was it was awesome so I converted all the sounds over to Akai S5000 and lost some of them. And then Jim did a load of new work with the with the 5000 because it's a really good sampler. Um, I used to have my, but I've, I've given mine to Jim's to to Jim now. Uh, I don't know if he's still got it or it's still around anywhere, but I don't use it anymore. So uh, Jim did a load new a load of new sampling with the Akai. And we moved away from the W30 and the library got moved over. And then the Akai's started getting a little bit old and a little bit bulky, especially to fly into shows. So they were they were they were about the size of you can see this unit here, which is 3U, which is about that. By that. They were quite bulky and they're quite delicate to rattle around. So then we moved over and I ran the sounds out of I loaded them into Logic Pro on the Mac and there's a sampler on there called the EXS24. So I loaded them all into there and then there's a, an accompanying program called Mainstage which is geared towards live playing, keyboard live playing. So I sorted all the sounds out in Logic and whatever you sort out in ESX24 in Logic, you can port straight into Mainstage. So then we were running them all off of lap. I was running them all off of a laptop. So again, that was another generation of transferring the sounds over. But it, it worked really well. And another good story is the first show the I used the keyboard sounds all running off of my laptop and it was a really old laptop but there's not a lot running on it. We were doing a show with Cure and Cure's keyboard player. I saw he had a Mac Mini and I said what, what are you doing and he said oh it's first show I've moved completely over to main stage and he had a massive setup and a duplicate setup backstage where everything was backed up and he was running all of his keyboard stuff and I said well we've just done that a lot smaller scale to yours but I've done exactly the same thing and we had a little that was a that was a nice coincidence so we were both running the first time our keyboard sounds off of main stage and that's sort of how it still is now um and that's the keyboards for for cranes. Mainstay of cranes, of course, is a good piano sound. Or just a decent piano sound. Pianos feature a lot in cranes music. So uh, originally it was also, if you hear forever, far away... Uh,
nice piano sound. Neither Mark or I ever played that part live. We played the string part, but I did learn that part once, even though I didn't. I learned it once because we played it in a radio station and I needed to play this part and it was really nerve wracking playing that part. That part is on backing tape live and either Mark or myself would play the string line, which would be this. So this is, this is, uh, I'm flicking the sounds over on my computer here, which is how we would do it live. And it is labeled W30 strings. So this is from the W30, but the, the loop points aren't quite right. You can never get them quite right. Uh, the string sound is... Uh... String sound, you'll hear that string sound on Paris and Rome, you'll hear that string sound on lots of lots of Crane songs. A very, very good sound. But you get the... You hear that? It's a loop point. It doesn't do that on the W30. The loop point's not quite right. The higher you go... We hear the loop bugs me, but whatever. So keyboards, uh, string sounds, classic ones. W thirty, fantastic. Steve Hoff, we have to thank for that. Steve Hoff, who ran Crystal, owned and ran Crystal Studios. He gave Jim and I the piano and the strings disc, and plus a load of other stuff as well. Used on lots and lots of recordings. Other things samples were used for stuff like um Dada three three one. When we played that in two thousand and twelve, that these keyboards were linked up to the drum pads. So Mr. Matic, the drummer, he could trigger that. So he actually played that on the drum and I just patched it in for him on that song and then he would hit the drum and as he hit the as he hit the drum he, he would he would hit that sound so he could play the play the beat. It was cool. It was it was cool doing that. So it's stuff like that. Uh other things Jim would sample. Jim will layer up lots of samples and then it's just either triggering or playing the samples. So you've got things like inescapable. Um... 
So Jim's mad samples. Brilliant. I think I think we might have got that off of the record. And we had to re-sample it, I think, when we for when we played it in 2012. I think we got it off the record and we re-re-sampled it and laid it out on the keyboard. Great. Other samples moving on stuff like Lily's samples. So really good samples. This this loops round. So So it'll loop round and round and round, but there's no backing track to this, so there's no there's no click track for it. So the the drummer will might move a bit. So it's across two keys. So the drummer in in this because it's a loud song might not be able to hear what the keys are doing. You don't want the drummer to play to the keys. You want the drummer to get that at the start, which is why we always start it with. For the drummer to get his tempo and then and then we're off but then the drummer might not be able to hear that so i put it across two keys so that i could re-trigger it or oh, actually i don't play this part anymore ben plays this part so um so when the drummer's playing if you could when, as the drummer's playing you can re-trigger it with the drummer if the drummer speeds up or slows down a bit and that one just what it is but you know Johnny Matic's a good drummer so um, he stays in time of it John Callender always stayed in time of it and Jim when he drummed was just like a metronome it was pretty awesome playing when Jim drummed in the band There's no one drums quite like him I'm sure Mark will agree with that Awesome drummer. I was talking to Tim Daniels. Crane. Tim Daniels was Crane's sound engineer from when they started right up to about 1998, 1999, something like that. Uh, uh, something like that. A numerical year as opposed to a Bronze Age or Iron Age year. And uh, he um, did the live sound and he, he was really cool. He used to do a lot of pre-production with Jim on how the shows should sound and delay times and certain reverbs and stuff. And they were they, they spent a long time doing it. And we were talking just the other day about Jim drumming. Uh, and there was it was quite something. I don't know, people who would see Cranes in the old days, or if you ever remember Jim drumming 6th of May, uh, he would... He would his arm he rolled his arm as the drum rolls. His arms would go. You can find videos of it online where he just his arms as he rolls with one stick and he hits and then he's rolling with the other stick and he hits and he has his motion going. His arms he smashed the shit out of those drums, and it it was pretty awesome. It was cool. 
I can't remember how I'll go on to that now. I'll have to watch the video back to pick up the thread of what I was doing. So, oh yeah, no, I know. Yeah, keeping in time. Getting old. And then uh, we move on to other... So some songs we're playing lines. And other songs we're triggering samples as keyboard players in Cranes. Mark, myself... Ben on one song, Lily's, triggering samples. And some songs are in between. So if we take a song like Future Songs, you've got... Now this will split one side to the other. And the reason is... The reason is there's two separate sounds um, playing here. And when Stu Brown does the sound for this, He'll have it noted that it's not stereo. So the two channels coming in, they need to then go in the centre and he can balance them separately. So you'll get the sample on one side and the melody on the other. But So this is a cross between Jim's sample and the melody line. Both things going on at once, you will get a sample and the melody line to be played. That's always cool. I used to... Uh... Sometimes I fix that sample so that it's one volume. It doesn't matter how hard I hit it because sometimes in the heat of the moment I might hit it really hard and then hit it really softly and it probably drive Stu Brown mental so i would usually fix that uh, i don't know why it's not now old patch maybe who knows so there was lots of that going on on the future songs record uh stuff like flute song which is no it's it's one of jim that's the flute song sound but there's very very dark chords in flute song very dark almost
play that one. So a flute song. So you had lots of stuff going on on future songs and mixed samples with melodic playing where you're just triggering a sample and playing the melody part at the same time, which is fun. Uh, then we move on to stuff like uh, Here Comes the Snow off of Particles and Waves. That was all triggering samples, but they are the most bizarre samples. In, so you have stuff and you have to remember where all this stuff is. So it's not there. Come to snow. So that, that was a hectic song to play, but it was fun and you had to get the timing right, especially on the... Because it comes in on a really... If you listen to the record, it comes in on a really weird offbeat and you, you have to get it right, otherwise, but you know, that was my job. So there was lots of that on, um, on Particles and Waves. Uh, things like Avenue A were odd songs, if I can remember. Jim Sample, simple part to play. That wasn't quite how it was on the records, I can't remember it. But on uh, as you get to particles and waves, there are a lot of things like that, samples, churned up samples and just straight samples that just needed to be triggered at the right time. And then as you move into cranes, you Jim got a keyboard called a Phantom, a Roland Phantom F-E, I think it was F-A, can't remember, it's either F-E or F-A. And he used a lot of the Rhodes sounds off of that keyboard. So when we would go out live, we would have the Roland Phantom there and it would be linked in to my laptop. So all the older songs and sample-based songs will be played from main stage from the sampler and the actual road sounds will be the ones that Jim used from the Roland keyboard. And those, a few of those songs were got a roadsy type sound. It isn't quite right, this sound. Um, but it, when you get to Crane's record, there's a lot of roads and straight pianos on there. There's not that many that are sort of samples that Jim's messed with. He's, he's sort of road, roads and piano, are the basic ones. Uh, 
so you get stuff like feathers that will go uh stuff like that um roads what else do we have of roads stuff like panorama uh which is just really it's just a c scale running all the way through it but it, it's the way it's timed so it's literally to the end different parts of panorama i got a little list up here because i forget i when i've done the last two episodes I, oh, I forgot that and i forgot that and i forgot that. so i just made a little list of some some stuff panorama feathers wires wires yeah wires see that's good job i wrote it down just piano wires so uh, um just straight piano uh, another one that was really uh, really tricky to play it's all uh, what was it called can't remember what have I written up oh world piano fucked up piano that's what I've written because it, it if you listen to the record it, it's it sounds simple but it, it it's not and it took me ages to get the timing in
those are the parts in it, but it does it in really odd sections in the song. And I had to, I had to write it out in rehearsals. I had to write it out, and then I got it in my tiny, tiny, thick skull, and everything was okay. That was well. That was, uh, here comes the snow. Light song. Light song on particles and waves. That was. I did actually learn that. It's a really weird scale gun, and you'll if you know the song, you'll that's an odd part. But I did learn that note for note for the record, and it was all over the place. Uh, it's fun, it's fun. I like stuff like that. So that that's basically it. Keyboards for cranes. Jim still has his Roland Phantom. It's given him a load of stick because they don't build them like they used to, do they? Um, yeah, so it's, he's trying to repair it at the moment. Keys sticky, not working properly. Uh, cranes keyboards, sounds, stuff. I've probably missed a load of stuff, as usual. Questions, comments, anything, write them down in the comments. There is no process of me approving a comment. Whatever comment you write will get posted up. And I will leave it there. So there is no censoring going on. Ask whatever you like. Episode three. This is Tales of a Nobody. And I am a nobody. <laughs>